Welcome back, Giants fans. We are back. Me and Chris, the entertainer. It's been a long time. I was just telling him. I don't think we recorded since like December. So what's going on? It's been a while, man? yeah. Yeah, glad to have you back. But this year, we're definitely we're definitely going to make it a point to do it every week. Um, looking forward to working with Mike. Mike's a great guy. Um, Well-informed. Uh, definitely gives a different perspective on the Giants, which I appreciate. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm excited to be on. Uh, Mike, talk about the new regime with the Giants and everything else, man. Yeah, me and you were just saying before this, like we are pretty, like not confused, but we just think there's a bunch of different places the Giants can finish this year. We see a very uh, potential ceiling of like 10 wins, but the floor is also very low. We'll get into that. But first, let's start off with the breaking news of today. First day of September, right? September 1st. Blake Martinez out of nowhere was released by the Giants. I mean, what's just your initial reaction to that? I was having a good day. We got Wyatt <laughs> Davis. I'm like, that's a savvy pickup. Um, you know, former third round pick. Uh, I remember a lot of people thought he'd go early second round. I like some of the other moves we made yesterday, specifically the safety from the Jets. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, they're making a couple of savvy roster moves to fill out the rest of this roster. And then right before I'm getting ready to do this pod with you, Blake Martinez gets cut. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And my, my first initial reaction was this has to be salary cap implications um, due to the fact that I think I saw – like a couple of days ago that they, they still need to shed like four and a half million dollars when you factor in the practice squad and everything else. So mm. I went on spot track, spot track tells me they saved three and a half million dollars. So I'm like, okay, all right. At least that, th- th- at least there's a reason. Um, then I go back on Twitter. Duggan says, that's not the case. Duggan says they're basically only sa- saving like 350,000. So this is like Logan Ryan written all over it in the <laughs> sense that there, there's no real explanation from a salary cap standpoint of why they made this move. Um, I see a lot of people bring up the theory on Twitter that he didn't fit the scheme, but then I could say to myself, all right, well, if you, if you didn't fit the scheme, you should have known that before you restructured the contract, you would have saved mm-hmm. an extra $2 million. So I think there's more to the story. It's why I'm not going to absolutely go bonkers and flip out. I feel like there's more to the story than what we know. Uh, maybe Blake was pissed off. He didn't like his role. And maybe he didn't like that. He didn't get the cap. Who knows? Uh, the <laughs> captain's badge. I don't know. But I think there's got to be more to this story than what we are thinking right now. I think there's maybe some dysfunction behind the scenes between between Blake and, and Shane. And, and at the end of the day, this isn't Shane's guy. It's not. And I, I think his fan, like I was as fair as I could be with Gettleman. I'm going to be as fair as I can be with Shane. Shane inherited a mess. Um, and as much as I do think this hurts the roster this year, at least to some degree, I don't know how much because we don't know how good Blake was going to be coming off the injury and how well he fit the scheme. Um, So I don't even know if this is like a huge hit, but it's certainly a hit. He was a veteran, so on and so forth. So we're going to get a look at the young guys, both at the cornerback spot and now the linebacker spot. So expect growing pains with this defense. Yeah, that's that's why it didn't make sense to me. Like you look at the linebacker depth and you're like, okay, take Crowder. Micah McFadden, and you have what was the kid against the Jets who had a good game? It was Calitro, right? Calitro, like yeah, game. yeah, yeah. And Beavers, I should have mentioned, is out for the year he, now. That's another thing. I'm like, wait, I could see if he was healthy because he actually looked really good the first game, yeah. and I was excited about him, and that unfortunately happened. But just looking at the depth for the linebacker spot, it's like, why would they release Blake Martinez? And they're not even saving that much money. Like, I get it from the perspective of if they were going to save a lot of money, but as you said, they're not really doing that. I mean, now listen, I'm not like 
going crazy over this. I could see a scenario where Blake Martinez coming off the ACL, approaching 30 years old, is not going to be the same guy he once was. I totally get that. And as you said, it was a Gettleman signing, one of his few good signings. Thank you, Dave. And, like, you know, just looking at, like, this roster These now. These two good signings we got rid of. We got rid of Bradbury. We got yeah, rid of Martinez. Bradbury. I mean, you know, his, his 2020 class is looking all right. I'll give Dave some credit. You know, Xavier McKinney and Andrew Thomas. So we're still going. We got still have some hopes for Tony, hopefully. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, I just don't get it with the depth on this team. I mean, and the whole scheme fit thing. I mean, you know, Don Martindale is known as like a very aggressive defensive coordinator. And like when I remember Patrick Graham came over here, people were saying, oh, Blake Martinez had his career high in sacks with um with Patrick Graham. So I figured yeah. he would be a good fit for this defense. I don't know. Maybe, you know, Blake Martinez is washed. I have no idea. We just saw Logan Ryan got cut by the Buccaneers. Maybe it's a situation like that. But I would say it is. They brought him shocking. back though, right? Didn't the Bucs bring him back? They might have, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see, but it was for like a probably a much lesser shout. I don't know, something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just I don't think that's the case here, though. I I Mm -hmm. think he's gone. I think Blake's gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as as you said, it could be mutual. I think I saw um, what's his name, ESPN, Jordan Ronan said the you know it could be a mutual thing. So I don't know. You know, it's a different regime, as you said, but it was just so unexpected, very weird. So. Anyway, let's talk about the preseason. Only three games now. The Giants were this close to going undefeated, and I kind of wanted it because it's the Jets. I want to beat the Jets. So that sucked. It was a last-minute win by them. But, you know, the guys that played very well for us, Davis Webb and, you know, Alex Bachman, they're, they're gone now, back on the practice squad. But still, like, those guys I, think Bach, were... I don't think Bachman's on the practice squad. Really? They just – Yeah, I, I'm, I, I think he's not. I'm pretty sure. Wow. But, but Webb is. Webb is. I was kind of hoping Bachman would get a shot because, you know, we'll talk about Kenny Galladay later, him taking up a roster spot. Obviously, he has to be here due to the contract, but we'll talk about Kenny later. Um, but, yeah, did anyone, like, impress you in the preseason? What were your preseason takeaways? The offense looks a lot more exciting than Jason Garrett. So what were your yeah. takeaways? Um, I mean, from a positive – again, I don't want to read too much into the positive or the negative off of preseason, and I do think there's going to be growing pains on both sides of the ball in the regular season. I just think that's common sense. New schemes on both sides of the ball. The offensive line, none of these guys have played with one another before. Jones and the receivers don't really have much of a report in this scheme, right? Because Tony didn't play in any of the preseason games. Galladay, I think, had one catch. Um, Wondell Robinson was used sparingly. I don't think he was even used in the first preseason game. And then they used him a bit in game two and three. Um, so I, I definitely think there's going to be growing pains with this offensive de- uh, defense. But, I mean, I, I, if I'm being honest, and again, it's very hard to judge because he was going up against second-string defenses, but I thought Jones looked good. I thought Daniel Jones looked good. I thought he looked decisive, um, which is a, a common knock on Daniel Jones. He doesn't get the ball out quick. He, you know, stands too long in the – actually looked pretty good. I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go crazy about it. I'm not going to overanalyze it. But, it, you know, you can only look at what you saw and what he was going up against. And I, I – I, the interception, whatever, that was off the tight end's hands. He he looked good to me. He looked good. Um, but let's see how he looks come regular season. I And I'm going to give Jones a little bit of a wiggle room early on like, because of all the factors that I said with the line and everything else. I think it'll take – I'm going to give them three weeks or so, and then, and then I'll really start to judge this offense and what they look like with, with Dable, not just Jones, everybody from within the offense. Um, but, yeah, I, if I'm taking a positive, I'll say that. Um, the offensive line, but again, going up against second units in the first two games, I thought looked pretty good, yeah. especially yeah. factoring in all the injuries that they had. Um, the run blocking specifically in the first game looked really good. The pass protection looked really good in the second game. And then the third game, you had all backups and you didn't have Evan Neal. You didn't have Andrew Thomas. 
and you were going up against the first team defense. So I kind of expected them to look like the way they did, which was horrible. Um, but yeah, if I, I'll say the old line looked pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, Wandell didn't see much. Uh, like I said, all the weapons didn't see much. I'll say Barkley for the little amount of time that we saw him looks like he's got his explosiveness back. Yeah. Um, I'll say that as well on the defensive end, Aaron Robinson's going to be a problem. Um, <laughs> Aaron Robinson's going to be a problem. So I'm worried about him for sure. Um, we didn't really get to see a lot of the first teamers. Leonard Williams didn't really play. Kayvon, of course, had the injury. He looked pretty good. I know he didn't have any sacks, but he looked like he was beating his man off the edge pretty regularly. Um, Aziz, we saw a little bit. I'm excited for him this year. So we'll see. Um, in terms of the schemes, I think what you saw in all the preseason games, you saw Bill Belichick complain about it after week one. We're going to be aggressive. We blitzed 21 times in a preseason game week one uh, against the New England Patriots, and you saw that throughout training camp. So the, I guess some fans may be excited about that. Some fans may be nervous due to the limitations in the secondary. Um, and then and then in terms of the offense, yeah, I, again, it was kind of watered down, especially in the first game. There wasn't a lot of pre-snap motion. But the offense looks a little bit – not a little bit, a lot more innovative yeah. than Jason Garrett's. <laughs> And the one thing that really stood out to me, I think more so even in the second game, you had tons of guys running wide open over the middle, and you never saw that in Jason Garrett's offense. So there was definitely some pros to take out of it, a few cons as well. Obviously injuries too. You know, we, we had a, I'm sure we'll talk about that. We had a few injuries. Yeah, I was um, pretty, like, I would say encouraged for the most part with preseason, and we saw things that we didn't see with Jason Garrett. As you mentioned, the offense just, just looked better. And, like, the good part is it's not even regular season yet, so they're probably not showing everything. And it already looks better than what we've seen the past two years, which is sad if you're Jason Garrett. But, um, yeah, about Daniel Jones, we know how it is. Everyone overanalyzes every single step this guy takes, every throw this guy makes. I thought he looked good. I mean, even the interception, as you mentioned, you know, Evan Engram flashbacks. Hopefully Bellinger's not like that. I have still faith in he him. He shouldn't be. The guy didn't have a drop his last two years right. in college. Yeah. Then, you, then you put on a Giants jersey and all of a sudden you got to drop <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's how it goes. But uh, no, yeah, as you said, DJ looked very decisive. That was the first thing I noticed right away, you know, throwing quick screens and guys over the middle. Um, him and Galladay just, it's still not there. That's, that's the sad part. I, you know, I'm hoping that at some point they have, because the, he had that one throw to David Sills, the back shoulder throw on left side. Was, I'm like, I'm like, that would be a perfect throw for Kenny Galladay. Just throw it to the, to a different guy. And um, yeah, hopefully at some point this year, because I do think Galladay is going to get a shot. Like I would be shocked if he's not starting week one. I think Galladay will at least open the year as a starter. He'll get the snaps, but I don't know. My expectations are not too high, but uh, you mentioned Barkley as well. I am very impressed. I am super high on him for fantasy football purposes. I mean, yeah. he honestly could have had a touchdown. The angle route he ran, it was the throw where um, Galladay dropped it, but yep, you know, yep, he had, yep, he had yep. Barkley on the angle. That could have been a touchdown. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, receiving the ball, running routes and Saquon does look explosive. I mean, once again, I don't expect the 91 receptions, whatever it was back from 2018. This is not that type of offense with Eli Manning, but um, you know, Saquon can definitely, I think flirt with 1300 rushing yards and 600 receiving, like something like that. Like a I really think you have good a big season, year, um, especially I, in a contract year. Yeah. I've said that for a while now and, and we'll see. And that's going to be a huge, uh, if he does have a year like that, that's going to be a huge topic of conversation at the end of the year. What do you do with Saquon Barkley? But, all the factors to me point to Saquon Barkley. And again, we I'm not going to come on here and predict injuries. You can't. It's football. Anybody could get hurt. And and I don't even know if I want to consider Saquon Barkley injury prone because some of the like last year's injury was a fluke thing. 
Yeah. Like he stepped on. I mean, come on. So like, I'm going to go into the year thinking he's going to remain healthy or at least hope he's going to remain healthy. And to me, he, his biggest problem last year was his mental. I feel like he's recovered from that. You could see he just feels like Saquon of old uh, this year. I don't know if we're going to see 2018 Saquon. I hope we do. But I think with this scheme, like you said, the fact that it's a contract year, the fact he's now two years removed from the ACL, ACL um, and you have to think Evan Neal's an upgrade over Nate Solder. Like, I, I think all those factors should help not just Barkley, but should also help Jones. I think Jones will look better this year. Um, I'm going as far to say I think this will be, be Jones's best year as a pro. That doesn't mean I want him back, but I think it's going to be his best year as a pro. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, looking at his rookie season, yes, the numbers overall were impressive, but we know a lot of those numbers were accumulated against the, you know, the four games against bad defenses. But I do agree this will be Jones's best season overall. With Jones, it comes down to consistency and staying healthy and just you know, making some more big plays, which I hope this offense allows him to do. And the weapons have to be healthy. We know that, you know, I, I have concerns about Tony, of course, who is on the sideline today and Galladay missed half the season uh, the year before. Something we came out him. today. I didn't get a chance to read it. I was going to make a video on it. And then, the, and then the Martinez thing came out. <laughs> I don't know if this is nonsense or not. Uh -oh. Shane came out today and said that there was an offseason procedure that Galladay had. Oh. Um, but they didn't go into like specific details, but it, he had some kind of surgery. And I think he was kind of like hinting towards that's why he may have not looked as active as people would have liked in training camp this year. So, cause he was trying to save it for the regular season. I honestly hope that's true. That would make I, me so feel that, a lot That's better. the first thing I thought. I'm like, <laughs> I pray this is true. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, you've seen some of the practice clips and it just looks like he just wasn't as engaged as some of the other guys. And I get, He's got $72 million in his bank account and all that. But like you see like the Wandale clip and then compare it to him. And it's like, I get he's bigger and all that. I get all that. But like, it just looked like Wandale was way more engaged. And the whole blocking play from last game, that was overblown as well. Like, yeah. That was like an RPO yeah. play. He had to seal him off. Like that's not something I'm going to go. I'll, be the, I'll, I'll admit it, Mike. When I first saw it, I reacted like everybody else. <laughs> and then when, and then, and then when I got a chance to sit back and listen to the explanations, I'm like, all right. Yeah. Let me delete this tweet. I'm not trying to cause panic. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that was overblown. And my mindset with Gallaudet this offseason, because I know he's going to be the punching bag this year. He's going to be the Evan Ingram of this team. $72 million didn't produce last year in terms of touchdowns. You don't like some of the things you see in the practice. But I'm going to be as fair as I can to every player on this roster. Um, if I'm going to say I'm not going to overreact or underreact to Daniel Jones or everyone else in the preseason and training camp, as much as I hate to see what I think a lot of people perceive as lack of effort in practice, I am going to give him the year, not the whole year, but I'm going to give him a few weeks into the regular season before I go crazy about it. But do I have concerns about Kenny Galladay? Yeah. Uh, and it's not even just like the worry about him, whether or not he's 100% committed. I, I said this once we hired Kafka. I don't think he fits this scheme very well. I just don't like, you know, you look at the wide receiver. We drafted with Wondell Robinson, Kadarius, Tom, like those guys are shifty guys, guys that you can move around in the offense. Not to say that there's not a role for him. You know, I've kind of compared him to like Watkins when he was with the chiefs. I could see a role like that for Galladay, like a 50, 50, but I don't see him being like a featured guy in an offense like this. I think he actually fit the Garrett offense better. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you look at the guys that chiefs would go after. I mean, like Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, Jarek McKinnon, those are like smaller, just speedster type guys. I mean, you have like Demarcus Robinson and you mentioned Sammy Watkins, but uh, 
Yeah, I think Kenny's going to have a chance. We know that. It just depends what he does with the opportunity. Like, he'll be there. He'll be the wide receiver one, maybe two. I don't know how they feel about Tony and all that. But, yeah, he's going to be the X receiver. And I just hope he gets opportunities. And if Galladay sucks this year, that's going to suck for us because they literally cannot get out of this contract. People have said, just release the guy, just trade him. It's impossible. They can't do it. Maybe next year they're still going to take a pretty big hit financially. I don't know the exact you only said I, I know. You, they sit, They have to eat 14 and a half, and they save six and a half oh. if they cut him. That's rough. Yeah, I don't even want to do that. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to say it yet. We'll see how it plays out. Um, if if Gaudi's even okay this year, I think you keep him just because, yes. like, look at the wide receiver market right now. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So, like, if Gaudi has, like, 850 yards and six or seven touchdowns, you say to yourself, well, that's not much more than what he would cost if he was a free agent right now. <laughs> Christian Kirk got $20 million. Yeah, some of these, yeah, even, like, uh, Valdez Scantling got some big money. It's crazy. But um, I actually went back today and I watched our preview from last year. We had some good takes, by the way. But what you just said about Barkley was like spot on. You said this in last year's video, how it was going to be a mental thing for him. And it absolutely oh, was. Yes, wow. it was like yeah, spot on. <laughs> goodbye you um but yeah people have said i've never torn my acl i have no idea but people that have been in that situation have said it takes about like a full two years to get back to where you were and like saquon tours acl what september 2020 yeah. we're approaching we're in september 2022 so i'm hoping now like he is just back and you know once again we'll see how great of a year he has it's going to be a very interesting conversation about should they bring him back for next year um, I know where I stand. If it's a like a reasonable contract, like a Nick Chubb type contract with the Browns, he got like what twelve million dollars per year. Like I can live with that. I just don't want to give yeah. the guy like an insane amount of money. I think you're the same way. But um, yeah, yeah. My, my take on it is, um, I, I don't even think about it unless first off he's got to stay completely healthy this year, yeah. and he's got to show sh- at least shades of his rookie season. I don't need identical, but he's got to look like a big time difference maker in the offense. Um, but the only way I, I well, I shouldn't say the only way, but I think if Jones is not back, it significantly increases the probability that Barkley is if he remains healthy, because then you could at least say to yourself, if you're Joe Shane, this is a guy that can help my rookie quarterback grow. I'm not going to have to pay the quarterback a ton of money. So that gives me the freedom to give Barkley a three year, $40 million contract, something along those lines, 12, like you said, 12, 12 and a half, $13 million a year that I could get out after two years, but it'll help them grow the first couple of years. So I do see as much as some fans may not want to admit it because they hate Gettleman. Obviously I understand that the, the, the pick was a bad pick, but he is still when healthy, a guy that could help a football team a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially a young quarterback. So I do see a Avenue where he could be back with the Giants. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. And as you said, like a three-year, $40 million deal is very, I think, palatable is the word. Like, I'm fine with that. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I just hope he stays healthy. I do want to see, like, the 2018 Saquon because although the Giants sucked that year, it was awesome to see, like, this guy break off these massive runs. It it was was great. Because Odell got hurt that year. He was the whole team. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we see that again. All right, so let's get into – we'll do the ceiling and floor predictions, Chris. Let's do – you're more of a positive guy. So let's start with the positive for you. What do you think is the absolute ceiling for the Giants this year? Dak Prescott somehow gets hurt again. Yeah, yeah, Jalen yeah. Hurts is garbage. Uh, Giants stay healthy. What is what is the Giants record in that scenario? Dude, when you say ceiling, anybody listening to this podcast, do not think I'm predicting this. Do not <laughs> think that I expect this. This means like the Giants hit the lottery and everything that could go right goes right. Similar to the Eagles last year. Like, to me, I feel like the Eagles kind of hit the lottery last year. They had no key injuries. 
like they're they they stayed almost completely healthy all year. They played the softest of schedules. They beat the bad teams. Yeah, they beat all the bad teams. So if the Giants have a year like that and everything breaks right, which never happens for the Giants, we have the most injuries in football since two thousand nine. But if no, our right. offensive line stays completely healthy, our weapons stay completely healthy, Daniel Jones stays healthy, with our schedule, ten wins. That's my absolute ceiling. Um, I'm not expecting that, but that's my ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go one below you. I'll just, I'll say nine. I think yeah, because I think like sharp football had the Giants as the easiest schedule this year, and like I haven't had a tweet before. Like I can see them starting five and five, maybe I six and four. I, in terms of <laughs> I can see it. I, I right, see all right, all right. And then we go into that Thanksgiving game like a competitive team, and I would love that. That would be like such great vibes for that Thanksgiving. So. I don't know. I mean, there, of course, as Giants fans playing at MetLife, all the injuries there, like we know in the back of our minds, something is going to go wrong. It's how I feel about the Giants, how I feel about the Brooklyn Nets and kind of the Yankees once in a while. But that's how I am as a sports fan. Like something's going to go wrong. And that's like that's what we're accustomed to as Giants fans, unfortunately. So, yeah, you have 10. Not I have something. Nine. Everything. Yes. I mean, yeah. Last right. year, everything went wrong. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead. Like, even, like, we were talking so highly about Joe Judge, even. Like, it's crazy where we are now, but I'm happy they moved off him, thank God. I am excited for Dable. We'll talk about him later. Um, All right, so let's talk about what is the floor, because we got that wrong last year. We were talking about, like, what is the worst-case scenario for the Giants, and we thought their defense was going to be good enough to the point where, like, the worst Giants outcome was going to be, like, six or seven wins, and they had four. So we were off about that. For this year, what is your, like, basement Everything goes wrong. Typical Giants season for you this year. <laughs> I might be wrong again. Really? Um, I'm going to go five as the floor. I, I've got 10 as the ceiling, five as the floor. Maybe it'll be four. But my reasoning for five, one, I don't think they could possibly have as many injuries as they had last year. And, and, and they may. And if they do, we are the worst luck in the history of the NFL. <laughs> but even if they do, we play a at least before the year starts. We play a much easier schedule, and the most important thing in terms of analyzing my floor, Tyrod Taylor is yeah. much better than Mike Glennon. So I see Tyrod Taylor as a guy that could probably still beat a team like Jacksonville or Detroit or Seattle, where a guy like Mike Glennon couldn't beat my high school football team. So <laughs> that's why I have the floor a little bit higher than last year. Um, for all those factors, I'll say five is the floor, 10 is the ceiling. I'm going to meet somewhere in the middle around seven. Yeah, I'm actually like the Tyrod point is on point. Like I was going to say the same exact thing. They can't like I don't want to say can't because, you know, five and four. What the hell is the difference? But I don't think they will be as bad as last year because of the insurance behind Daniel Jones. Last year, we were like, hey, Mike Glennon had a pretty good year with the Jaguars the year prior. He'll be a good backup. He's fine. Then he was like, oh, the worst freaking quarterback we've ever seen. So um, but at least Tyrod, we know like, you know, Tyrod wasn't great in the preseason. He had some good moments, some pretty bad moments near interceptions but we know Tyrod for the most part is one of the most competent backups in football so you know if Daniel Jones misses time which he has the past like four years going back to college um at least we know okay we're still going to be in the game and nothing that not to take a shot at Daniel Jones but the drop off from him to Tyrod Taylor is not like it's not like going from Mahomes to Chase Daniel or something like that it's not the biggest drop off in the world so yeah I think for me to put a number on it, I will once again go one below you. I'll say four and 13, which feels dirty. But I'm always saying that because I could see a scenario where like 
let's say McKinney goes down, please. I don't want that to happen. But if he does, like this secondary can be historically awful. And he's talking about an uh, aggressive defensive coordinator on top of that. That's a recipe for disaster. You know, I I could see a world where. And you're you're 100% right on that. And it's every positional group on this roster. Mm -hmm. Like if I had like a, I think if we stay completely healthy, we have at least a decent NFL football team. But. We are so thin. If a Dory Jackson goes down, who the hell is our starting cornerbacks? If, you know, if, like you said, if McKinney goes down, I don't even know who the hell our middle linebackers are going to be now. Mm-hmm. If if Leonard Williams goes down, if Kayvon Thibodeau misses significant time, if uh, Kadarius Tony goes down, if Daniel Jones goes down, it, you know, so it's just like it's so, if Saquon Barkley goes down, you drop to Matt Breida. So it's like it, 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 we're very thin. So I could certainly understand – um, why people would have a, a floor as low as yours. I'm only one game higher. So it's not right. like I'm like, you know, <laughs> that much higher on it. But for me, the schedule and Tyrod Taylor, I'm going to give them a little more credit. Uh, I'll give them five as a floor. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at the depth chart now. Like you look at a scenario where let's say a Dory Jackson goes down, your starting four in the secondary would be Justin Lane, who we just got, Aaron Robinson, McKinney, and Love. I don't feel good about and that. And you may, maybe you transfer Love to the outside and play one of the belt net safety. But you at least have options, but it's still not great. Um, I actually want to see that, by the way. I don't mind Julian Love at outside corner. I don't think he's given been given a fair shot at that. And like he's he was doing that in college. He was good at it. And I feel like the Giants always effed around with him. They're like, oh, let's put him in slot corner. Oh, let's put him in safety. Like I, I just want to see this man play a full season at outside corner. He was named the captain. Good for Julian. Nice guy. But like I, I just want to see him play outside corner. Like, what's the what what are they like? You know what I mean? I like, what is going to lose? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if. I mean, obviously, they're going to give Aaron Robinson the first crack. Yes. Um, but if he really struggles for like the first four or five weeks, I wouldn't be shocked if they move Robinson back to the slot and give Love a look on the outside and, and maybe put Belton or, or uh, Jefferson, the other safety we just mm-hmm. but like. Uh, th- at least there's some maneuverability of things are like really going bad with Robinson where they could tinker with the lineup. Um, and it's at least nice to have that flexibility with, with uh, Julian Love. Yeah, as they should. Like, I don't, you know, remember remember a couple of years ago we had that jabroni uh, Ryan Lewis, the guy in the Malcolmore oh, album. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just out here playing cornerback. He was actually, he was fine for a few weeks, but like, just guys off the street. Isaac Yadam. Yadam. Yeah, there you go. There's another one. Who else do we have that year? Now that I'm going down this road, um, it was just those two, right? For the it most wasn't part. good. Whatever nah, it was, it wasn't nah. good. It was rough. Like Bradbury, he was great that year. And then they would just pick on the other guy, which is my concern this year. I think a Dory Jackson might have like an insane year because they just target the other guy the entire time, you know? Like a yeah. Dory, Dory has to be healthy on his own. That's a problem in his own right. But like if a Dory plays every game this year, like he might have a great season because they just won't throw the damn ball to him. Wink better be a magician. I'll just yeah. say that. Like <laughs> he better be able to create pressure quick because, um, you know, I, I do think Robinson is going to struggle, but we'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be a good test for Wink this year because I think that's kind of been the book on Wink, the knock on Wink while he was with Baltimore, um, is that, yeah, when he has the pieces, is he's great. Yeah. Uh, but Baltimore, maybe the best secondary in the NFL. And, you know, for his first three years there as a D.C., his fourth year, they had a ton of injuries, and that's why he lost his job. So not to, I, I don't want to sound negative because I do like Wink, and I'm excited about the defense this year in terms of the scheme and what it could potentially be if, you know, if we get a couple more playmakers in this defense in the coming years. But it at least gives me a, 
a little bit of Betcher vibes in the sense that like everybody was really excited when we brought Betcher because he was aggressive with Arizona and we didn't have the men in the secondary to back mm-hmm. it up. So I think that's a major concern for a lot of Giants fans. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So let's get to uh, the Daniel Jones conversation, right? What are your expectations for him? You can just give me like a stat line if you want or whatever. Just go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm doing this stat line based off 17 games. If you right. ask me, is he going to stay healthy all year? I'm probably going to tell you no. Um, <laughs> history tells us that, right? But I'm only going to, I'm just going to do it based off the fact that, yeah, he's playing 17 games. If Jones plays 17 games, I could see 27, 28 touchdowns. I, 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 I don't, I'm not saying that like, I don't even know if I'm predicting that, but would I be shocked if he did that? No, I could see like, I, I think we're going to throw a lot too, by the way. So I, I could see four over 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 16 picks. I think he'll throw more picks because we're going to be more aggressive. Um, but something like that. If he mm. plays all 17 games, I, I could see a stat line like that. Um, and, but for me, it doesn't even come down to stats for Jones. It, he has to put the team in a position not to be able to draft a quarterback for him to remain on next year. And yeah. people have asked me going into, into the year, what does he need to do? He's got to do what Carr did last year with the Raiders. Carr got the Raiders to the playoffs. They were limited. They had a ton of injuries, and he still was able to do it. I don't expect us to do that, but for him to keep his job, I think that's what he needs to do. Um, Statistics aside, he needs to come up with big plays in the two-minute drives, come up with a few game-winning drives this year, and find a way to get this team to nine wins so he could secure that he's back with the New York Giants. That's that's very well said. I I pretty much agree with everything. Um, You know, I think – Winning is the number one thing for him. Like it's yeah. tough to win with this team, but if he puts them in a position where they get nine or ten wins, you're gonna be like, oh, well, that that's amazing. I'll give him a tag. I'll give him this, another year. for this yeah. roster we had. Like that's not bad at all. So now, if it's in spite of Jones somehow, we're like, I don't know how that would even happen. Can you see but... that though? No. Can you honestly <laughs> see like the Giants winning nine or ten games with this roster if Daniel well, Jones isn't at least an average starting quarterback? Well, yeah, you kind of took away. I was going to say, like, what if Tyrod came in and won seven games? But well, no, that's, that's different. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it would have to be Daniel Jones having a big year. That's that's definitely true. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you with the stats. Like, I think somewhere around 4,100 passing yards and, like, 25 to 30 touchdowns in that area. And as you said, somewhere around, like, maybe 15 interceptions is, is fair to assume. And you know, those numbers aren't like franchise quarterback numbers, but they're much better from what we've seen the past couple of years. I will take that. Like I'll sign up for that right now. Like, I don't know how I feel about that when it happens, but I just think compared to what we've seen the past few years, like we'll, we'll take it. And, and, and then the other thing, Mike, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm just yeah. thinking as you're talking, you factor in the teams we're going up against. Like if he can't put up numbers against some of these teams, mm-hmm. he's never going to put up numbers. Like he's playing yeah. some of the worst defenses, worst teams in all of football. I think there's going to be areas in this schedule this year if he can stay healthy, which is the biggest if. Um, and I do think he'll start off sluggish, like I said, with the offense the first three or four weeks. But I think he'll be able to pad his stats this year, and I think he'll have a, a pretty good statistical season. Yeah, and a lot of – they're going to be playing uh, catch-up maybe, as I said, with the defense and the secondary maybe not being that good. Um, there might be times where they're in the fourth quarter down a couple scores and they'll be able to, you know – had the stats and all that stuff so i mean maybe i don't know hopefully they're playing in more close games than not but um yeah i think i think most people will say that 
wins and losses is not a quarterback stat and they're right to some degree, but I do think I will say this quarterbacks have the most influence on the outcome of the game, right? We can agree with that. And that's why we see like the great quarterbacks are consistently in the playoffs. Yes. They're on good teams, but like even Russ in in Seattle didn't have the best rosters the past five, six years. And they would always get nine, 10, 11 wins. So my point is though, if you, if you're a quarterback playing at a very high level, you're going to get more wins. You'll find a way to to, win some games. You know what I mean? But but, but here's here's what I'm going to say, Mike, for anybody listening that, you know, says that wins aren't a quarterback stat, which I happen to agree with. I, you know, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, he's got like the fourth best winning percentage in the history of the NFL (laughs) at the quarterback spot. Like, He's been surrounded with incredible rosters, right? Yeah. So I don't think it's a quarterback stat. I do agree with you that it's the most important position um, that influences wins the most. But for anybody that says that wins aren't a quarterback stat, which I agree with, tell me a quarterback in the history of the NFL that has gotten a contract extension off of four straight losing seasons, because I don't think he can. And, and, and that's what it comes down to this year, right? They didn't extend him on the fifth-year option. He needs to put the Giants in a spot not to draft a quarterback. In order to do that, he's got to win at least eight games. Like, he, he, we can't be picking in the top ten. We can't. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we're going quarterback hunting. That's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. I was thinking Matthew Stafford maybe, but I think they even won nine games. I think games he made the playoffs year. pretty they early did. in his career, yeah, I think. So. Can't even say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. I even did like a mini exercise like that too of like guys that were entering year four and the team declined their fifth year option. How many of those quarterbacks went on to be like franchise guys? And like out of like 23 guys since the year 2000, maybe like two or three of them. And I think Baker Mayfield was on that list. And obviously he got traded after that. So um, he doesn't Smith, even count. Maybe? I'm just guessing. But maybe Alex, Alex Smith. I think I may have included Chad Peddington. And maybe somebody else. Like it was a very slim. And list. even Alex Smith, who was a very good quarterback, when once he, you know, got proper tutelage with Harbaugh and then Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. But even him, he got replaced twice. He got replaced yeah. by Colin Kaepernick, and then he got replaced, obviously, by Pat Mahomes. So um, even he could, you know, <laughs> could, couldn't stick around. Yeah, there was a limit to how good he was. Like I think they, uh, they it's kind of like the Jimmy G situation. That's why the yeah, Niners very are going, similar, going very with Trey similar. Lance. You know, just to go for the ceiling. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what Jones does this year. I mean, here's what I want. I want him to have either a really, really, really good year or just, like, just tell us you're not the guy. I don't want to yeah. go into, yeah, like, yeah. this, like, oh, maybe he's the guy for the third straight year. Like, I don't want to have that happen. Just win 10 games and be great or just give us a top three pick. That's, give that's us a quarterback. That's, right, that's so. what it comes down to. Is <laughs> I, I agree with you. In an ideal world, if you say, Chris, here's a, here's a, a magic genie, and by no means am I saying that I want us to lose and tank. I ne- I'm not that type of fan. I don't want right. that. But if you said, Chris, give me your optimal scenarios for the New York Giants at the end of the year, one would be Daniel Jones becomes a top 10 quarterback, and we have faith and at least could give this guy a, a franchise tag and see if he could continue to grow off that. The other hand would be, like you said, completely lose, mm-hmm. win three games, and be in, be in the discussion to be able to get – let Joe Shane select his guy. So. Yeah. I agree. I think those are the two best possible outcomes before the year starts. Yeah, I have not watched any quarterbacks yet. I'm not doing draft research, but I've heard it's a good class. So, you know, maybe Joe Shane loves one of these guys. And I do think when Dable and Shane took this job just, you know, five, six months ago, whatever it was, they envisioned getting their own quarterback one day. Now, if Daniel Jones can play at such a high level where he talks them out of it, that's another, you know, conversation but uh, I do think they want their own guy and we've you know saw that tweet about Joe Shane is going to scout some Ohio State game coming up and 
we'll see if he likes these guys. You know, it's kind of like with, um, you know, we saw. Gettleman. Oh, you're going to hear plenty of that, Mike. You're going to hear. I know. <laughs> I, I know when he went to the Ohio State Pro Day yesterday, uh, last year, rather, everybody was talking about Stroud and he wasn't mm. even he, he wasn't even being drafted. But uh, okay. Shane was talking to him. There were pictures taken. And I mean, let's be real, Mike. I, I'm sure he's going to be looking at Stroud, but it's Notre Dame and Ohio State. There's like 30 potential first round picks playing in that game. He's not just scouting the quarterback, but that's going to be the storyline. It's obvious, yes, yes. right? Because he's he's the most talked about quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah. Any any responsible GM should go to that game. You definitely yeah. got that right. All right. So now we're back to part two because I forgot, you know, Zoom has to make you pay for things now. Anyway, so <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, what's a successful season in your eyes, Chris, for the Giants in 2022. Fans may not want to hear this. I know fans hate the word, the P word patience because mm. I've been saying it way too long. And um, last year was the first year where I was like, no, it's no longer time to be patient. We need results, but it's about patience this year for me. It's year one of the rebuild. So a successful season for me isn't even based off of wins and losses. Um, if we're talking about from the team perspective, which is what I assume this, this is based off of not individuals, um, the team perspective for the giants for me, what's a successful season I want to see the offense as a whole grow throughout the throughout the, the the year, and whether or not Daniel Jones is the quarterback next year doesn't even mean that much to me. It's about having confidence in the offense, in the scheme. By years end, you say to yourself, "Okay, this is something that we could definitely build with the dynamic of Kafka and Dable, the innovation of the offense." I could see things really starting to develop, and whether or not it hits that high ceiling because it's limited by the quarterback, or maybe it hits the high ceiling if Daniel Jones is that guy. At least you could say to yourself, okay, if we get an upgrade at that position with the offense in place, this team could really start start to hit their strides. The other thing is the line in general, the play of Evan Neal, growing as a rookie throughout the throughout the year. By no means do I think this offensive line is a finished product. Um, I, I think we only have two long-term answers, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I think I think Galinsky's a stopgap, and we have a lot of question marks outside of that. Maybe Azudu becomes a long-term answer. Uh, maybe Nick Gates comes back, but those are all maybes. So we have a long way to go on the interior, but if we could get the bookend tackles situated, it'll go a long way. I, I think it helps out the interior part of your op- uh, offensive line. So for me, the, the, the main focal point for me in terms of a successful season is really based almost solely on the offense. I'm not saying I don't want to see the defense progress. Of course I do. But I think the most important aspect of this team, like if you tell me at year's end the defense is the worst in the league, and the offense is close to league average, I think I'd take that. Not yeah. that I'd be happy that we had the worst defense, but I think it's much more important this year to really start to feel, especially with Brian Dable being the head coach, he's more offensively minded. I think that's what we're most concerned with as Giants fans is starting to get a modern-day NFL offense. Um, that, to me, is the most important thing this year. Yeah, I, mean, I pretty much agree with everything once again. Like, I'm not – I am way more concerned about the offense than defense. And we know it's an offensive league and you got to put up points to win. No shit. We know that. But especially nowadays, as compared to the past, like, you know, the best teams in the league are putting up 25 plus points per game. Teams like Tampa average over 30 a game. Not saying we'll be that, obviously. But I just want to say, like, we have a good offensive scheme and we can trust Dable and Kafka. And that's another thing. I want to see Brian Dable. Is he a good head coach? Like, it's more than year one. We were fooled. Plenty of times with year one head coaches, and we thought we had the guy and Joe Judge, like we thought. But we were, um, we were, we were all drinking the Kool Aid, all of us. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I mean, there was a few that were like, oh, "I don't like we were his hopeless. style." We were hopeless. <laughs> and, and anything that showed us some kind of hope, we gravitated. That's, yeah, it's actually pretty sad, but yes, that's how it was. So, um, you know, hopefully Dable proves he's the guy as a head coach, and. 
yeah, offensively, I just want to see a much better scheme than what we have seen the past couple of years. And yeah. I just want to be one of those teams, Chris, that like, obviously the team that wins the Super Bowl, you're in the best spot. We know that. But there's there's other teams below the Super Bowl winner where you look at them and go, that team has a bright future. And I want teams to look at the New York Giants, whether it's other fans, analysts, and say, that team has a bright future. I want to be in the Giants situation. I envy what they have going on there because – you know, looking at last year, even like there's teams you look at and you're like, oh, they have a really bright future. Like, I think even Jacksonville with the cap space they had and Trevor Lawrence and all that, like you can tell, like if they do things the right way, there's a very bright future in place. The Giants, of course, didn't have that this year because they are just so buried by the last regime. It's going to take a year. It's a transition year. We've heard that phrase plenty of times. It literally it's, it's is a, a transition. It's just the facts. It's just, it it's is. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you don't mean to be a downer. I'm just going to tell how it is. It's going to be, you know, not a, a year where wins and losses mean the most. I think there are things more important. And you said, like, the whole Daniel Jones thing, I'm not going to be hung up on that too much. If he becomes a top 10 quarterback, awesome. We have a lot of our problems solved and we can focus on building the rest of the team. And even if he's not, we can look forward to hopefully taking a stud quarterback in the draft next year. And hopefully we don't have to trade up for one. But yeah, it, it's just not about wins and losses. I hate to say it. Um, it is fun to win, and I'm hoping that. Oh, dude, we, trust me, Mike and myself are hoping for 17 and 0. That'd be great, like, right? Like, like, like the most important thing on game day is wins and losses. But if you're asking me for like the totality of the season going into the year, um, yeah, what well, a successful season for me is not a win and loss record. It's 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 what we just talked about. Yeah, I, I'd prefer to be in November and still care about winning and losing. I don't want to be like the last three or four years where it's like, I don't care if we win or at lose. At least you, know? you had the Yankees, Mike. <laughs> now I finally have the Mets in the playoffs uh, this year. But yeah, uh, at least you've had the Yankees the last three or four years to get you through October. True. Um, but hopefully, like you said, the Giants at least get us through November this year. Hopefully. Well, the um, Yankees, they they inevitably disappoint all of us anyway. So uh, <laughs> I was going to talk to you about the the Knicks, actually, at the end of this. Donovan Mitchell, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, um, but yeah, it's not about wins and losses once again. And I just hope that at the end of this year, people are like, oh, the Giants, they got something going on over there. So it's going to, as I've said, I think the Giants, for them to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders, I can see a world where they are playoff contenders next year. I can also see Super Bowl contenders by 2024. And I know people don't want to hear that, but that's a lot, a lot needs to happen. But I agree with you. It's, yeah, that's the time. I, I, I'm going to give you my optimistic, my Chris optimistic. Chris is way too optimistic. I'm going to give it to you. And this is all predicated on things that need to happen. But do I, I look at this Giants roster right now and, and, their, and their plan, and I do have hope, not for 2022. But I see a very innovative offensive mind with both Kafka and Dable. Who knows how long Kafka is going to be here. But you see a much more innovative offense. The thing I'm most excited about is Neil and Thomas. We have bookend tackles. That's something to build with. Um, so if you could get the offensive line situated, which I see no reason by the end of next year why we shouldn't have at least a pretty good offensive line. And you have an innovative offensive play caller. If you could find the quarterback. If, which is a huge if. In the NFC, look around, Mike. Look at the quarterbacks in the NFC. They're either grandpas. <laughs> all the good young quarterbacks are in the AFC. The best young quarterback is Kyler Murray in the NFC. Mm. So if you could find that guy in the draft, or if Jones becomes that guy with the pieces we have in place, I agree with you. By 2024, there's no reason to think that this team can't at least be a contender 
within the NFC conference. Of course, you need to hit on some picks on the defensive end. Also, Thibodeau needs to develop and so on and so forth. But the offense, like you said, is the most important thing. And with the scheme that we have in place, I do trust it. I do think it's going to be a good scheme. And I do think the line is going to be trending upwards, especially over the second half of this season. It is going to be a much more favorable situation for the new rookie quarterback if we move off of Jones to come into than Jones could have ever dreamt of, which to me is trending up. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, I don't even think it's that optimistic to say 2024. I really don't. Like, I think it's yeah. kind of realistic. Like, because I trust Joe Shane. I think most of us do. I think he had a very responsible offseason this offseason. He didn't come in here and try and spend big and get wins for next year. He understands the big picture. That's all I ever wanted with the GM, which is why me and the previous GM did not get off to the best start because I could tell that guy was going all in to win in 2018 and I hated it. But at least Joe Shane, like he's not going to get every single pick correctly. I get that, but he understands the big picture. That's all Joe I want, Sh- right? Did you see him today? He looked like he yeah. wanted to, like he was depressed. Like Joe <laughs> Shane is not sugarcoating anything. All right. Yep. He might as well tell you guys, we're going to struggle this year, big mm-hmm. time. Like he has literally come out and said, we're going to make the best out of the situation. That's what he said. I, yeah, I'd rather have you give it to me straight. Like, I don't want to hear the – I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so, but I like that because yeah. he is – he he, and I that's important for him to do because I think the fan base has to give this guy an opportunity. You can't expect him to come in here and just turn water into wine in one year. It's, it's not going to happen. For all the complaining that we did about Dave Gettleman, rightfully so as a fan base, he's inheriting that. So it's it's why I tried to give Dave as much of an opportunity as I did because we complained about Jerry Reese for five straight years. He inherited that. And it's, it's I was like, I was gonna say we can agree that this situation's worse than what Gettleman took over. Yeah, with, right? yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. worse. It's, they're both bad, but this yes, is worse. I agree. Um yeah. for sure. This this is worse. So um it's gonna take some time, but the, the beauty of the NFL you could turn a team around so quick mm-hmm. if you do it properly. I'm not next year. I agree with you. Not next year. Um, unless Jones becomes that guy, unless Jones right. becomes that guy. But realistically speaking, I think if I put a gun in your head, Mike, you're probably leaning more towards we're going to be drafting a quarterback next year. Probably. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you that question actually, because I'll, I'll go first we'll with this we'll one. We'll get to it then. All right. We'll, yeah. wait, we'll save that then. We'll save that. Right. <laughs> but I was going to ask like, what's the percent chance? Actually, that's yeah. actually, that's one of the, later questions I have for you. But um, yeah, to add to that question, like what's a successful season? You mentioned it. Seeing all the young guys, the the recent high-end draft picks we've had really prove that they're really good players. Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau and McKinney builds in year three. And Super you know, excited about McKinney this year. Man. Oh, yeah. I actually nailed that one last year. I was I said that McKinney was going to break out, and I had Ojalari getting like seven sacks. So shout out to me. I did That's get some. I, I got some Ojolari. shit wrong for sure, but I definitely got those right. <laughs> I did not think he had as good of a year as he did. He, he had a really good rookie year. Yeah, even like looking at, I went back and looked at McKinney's stats the other day, and I was like, wow, he really had a great year. I, I know it's more than stats, but still, like, he was awesome. So you know, I wish he had a better safety next to him. Maybe he loves that guy. Maybe it's Dane Belton in the future who I like, but we'll see. Hopefully, I, you know the the safety position specifically in this defense i'm really excited for because mm-hmm. wink is going to be i think you i you're going to see a ton of three safety sets yeah. you might even see some four safety sets. like he is going to be really creative and i'm really excited to see um how he uses mckinney in this scheme like i he, we we already know he's going to be the, he's going to be the guy with the mic in his helmet so he's going to be really active i expect him to play all over the field 
I'm really excited about McKinney this year. Mm -hmm. He's going to have another, definitely some opportunities for interceptions once again, because if they're going to blitz the quarterback and, and put these quarterbacks in tough situations and throw the ball quicker than they want to, and McKinney reads where he's going, it's going to be another That's season. The other silver lining too, Mike, is, and I guess I'm trying to be as optimistic as I can, look at our schedule this year. And obviously, I think we could both agree our biggest weakness on the defensive end is in coverage. Mm-hmm. Outside of Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott, who's really throwing? Like we don't, <laughs> we're not going up against any like Kirk Cousins, but we're not going to like even Jalen Hurts is a run first quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a run first quarterback, so we're not going up against like gunslingers. So I'm like, maybe we could get by. Maybe we could get by with the schedule yeah. provided to us on the defensive end. I'm looking at it now. I think you're right. I think Kirk Cousins does have a monster year this year. I'm a I big fan. Of, yeah, I'm a big fan of their new coach. But I um, think Cousins is really underrated. Eh, we'll see about. I'm the not playoffs. saying he's great. Yeah, yeah. But like, am I crazy, Mike, to think? And I'd have him slightly above Cousins, but not much. I put Dak in the same tier as Cousins. Yeah. No, I think that's yeah. That's people reasonable. come at me when I say that, but it's honestly how I feel. I feel like you know like the why. It's the jersey they wear. That's why. <laughs> yeah, they're like let's, the same let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. Dak's younger by like five years, whatever it is, but. Still, I mean, they're not that far off. You look at their stats and how much they've accomplished in the postseason. I don't think it's that far off. Maybe we're just cowboy haters. I don't know, but I, I don't think it's ridiculous. I they really have the don't. same amount of playoff wins. Maybe Cousins even has one more. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, I know it's, Dak it's, has it's, one, and I know Cousins has at least one. Cousins beat the Saints. Yeah, so no, it's it's really not that crazy. No, it's, that's a good take. I think so. Um, all right, let's get into the rapid-fire questions. You can answer them as quickly as you want here. So I have 10 of them for you. So first one, who is the starting left guard for the Giants in week one? Ooh. Ben oh, Bredesen wow. and uh, Izuda. Uh, God knows who else. I think it's going to be um, – why am I forgetting his name right now off the top of my head? It's um, – Tyree Phillips they got today. No, I think it's going to be – I got the I got the uh, the roster right here. I think it's gonna be Deborah Hamilton. Oh yeah, yeah. He did start. Make, he started that one game. He was good. Yeah. If I had to make a pick right now, uh, I don't love any of them. Uh, I don't think it'll be Azudu. I, I don't think they'll throw the rookie in day one. Lemieux's hurt, so I don't. I I, I don't even was he put on the injured list? Yeah, he's uh, four games out. Yeah, he's four games. Yeah, so he's mm-hmm. obviously not gonna be it. Um, that I sucks, suppose, by the way. Yeah, like it does. he's always he always gets hurt at the wrong times. I hate it. Yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, Bredesen's definitely got a shot, but I'm actually leaning Debra Hamilton, Hamilton week one. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad pick. Yeah, I, I was going to say Bredesen. I actually legitimately forgot about Hamilton, but yes, I could I could see that because he did play well in the preseason. It seems like this regime likes him, so I could see it. Um, All right, my second question here is going to be, well, you kind of answered this, but I had Daniel Jones passing touchdowns this year. I think you said 28-29, right? I think I said 27. 27, okay. If he plays 17 games, if you're listening. So if he plays 10 and throws 18, well, that's similar to 27 over 17. Right, right. But if he plays 17 games, 27. Um, I think we're both going over here. Let me change the number, actually, because I think this number is too easy. Let's let's put it at this. Saquon Barkley over under 1,300 rushing yards this year. I had 12, but let's go 13 because I think we're both high on Saquon this year. I'm going to go under okay but i think his scrimmage yards are going to be approaching 2000 i think he's gonna have a lot of receiving yards i think he's gonna be used a lot uh in the pass catching game like you said i don't expect 92 catches but i think his catches will be for more yards yeah i yeah. think they, i so i could see him having 750 800 receiving yards like if you told me 
at the end of the year, Barkley's going to lead this team in receiving. I would say I, I could see that. Um, so I, I'll go slightly under. I'll go like 1150 to 1200 rushing yards. Um, but I could see, like I said, close to 800 receiving yards. Yeah. When is the last time the Giants had a receiver go over like 800 yards? Like, I feel like it's. It's got to be Beckham, probably. Yeah, I mean, like 20, 2018 Beckham. Like, has it How many yards did Barkley have in his rookie year? It had to be close to that. Uh, yeah, because he had two thousand scrimmage yards. Yeah, probably yeah, somewhere around eight hundred. Yeah, but anyway, like it's it's bad. We have not had a thousand yard receiver at least in a long time. I, th- I think since Beckham. Yeah, I think so. it's Beckham because <laughs> Ingram never came close to that. Shepard never hit a thousand. Yeah, I think I think Maybe Golden. He- Tate might have got close. Tate was close, but he got suspended those first four games. If he wasn't, right, I think he would have right, got right, it. Right, 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 <laughs> so, right. That, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it's Beckham. I think it's yeah. Beckham. I guess technically Tate on a per game basis was there, but not, Late, not, not the a full per season. game basis. Maybe his yeah, rookie yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um yeah, Slayton made the team, by the way. That was kind of interesting. I didn't know what to expect there, but he's yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, fifth receiver. We have that, that there we go. We have we have one of the best number five receivers in the NFL. Uh yeah, as it's not bad. I will take that as a fifth receiver. That's not bad <laughs> at all. Um most safety snap actually no, I, I've skipped one. Kenny Galladay receiving yards this year. All right, again, my projection is gonna be based off if he stays completely healthy. 730. Mm. I would go lower. I think I would go like you're going like around last year, like just over 500. I was going to say like 615 is what came to my mind. Okay. I, I, somewhere I'm a little bit more optimistic. <laughs> somewhere between up, yeah, you and what he did last I'll year. I'll go very low 700. Yeah. 710 to 730 in that I mean, For how much money he makes, better well get that. Um, uh, so, more than that. For how much money <laughs> That's true. Most safety snaps um, next to Xavier McKinney or aside from Xavier McKinney? Julian Love. Really? But I do okay. think I do think I do think Belton's going to get a good amount of snaps though. That was going to be my pick because I think Love could play outside corner. I could see it happening. So yeah, I definitely could see it. Belton, um, Belton seems like he's recovering fine. Like he'll be good for one week two. It's a good point you bring up, Mike, because especially and hopefully this isn't the case. Hopefully they do start five and five, like we said. That there, there's certainly a chance that they can. But if they're like three and seven and they have a daunting schedule coming up. I, I could see them switching over to Belton to start to see what he could do at the safety spot. Yeah. So it, maybe I am leaning Belton after I thought about it. You know, I'll go Belton. I'll go Belton. Okay. Um, all right. Similar question. Most snaps at cornerback two. So obviously aside from uh, Dory Jackson. I'm going to go Aaron Robinson. Really? I'm going to go because okay. I, I think they're going to give him a long leash. I I, I think they're going to give him a long leash. I do think Flott will get some time there. Um, unless Aaron, unless Aaron Robinson's terrific, but if mm-hmm. you know, realistically speaking, I do think there'll be some bumps in the road. Um, and I could see Julian Love getting some snaps, but I'll go, I'll go with Robinson. Yeah. Do you think Flop plays outside corner this year, or just specifically slot? I could see it. Um, you Why know, not, I know right? Most, <laughs> yeah, I know most people project him to be a slot guy. Um, I could see it. It, it, I think it depends on the play of the, the guys in the secondary. Like if Darnie Holmes is playing really well, you're probably not taking him out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see it, but I, I I think he projects more to be a slot early on, but I think he has the measurables uh, actually to be an outside boundary corner. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I had no idea he was 6'1". <laughs> like I knew he yeah. was lanky, but 6'1". And he's 6'1". fast. I'll say that, fast. man. In the preseason games, his speed impressed me. Long arms. I mean, pfft. Right. Tackling, why, why not? However, the the third game was pathetic. 
Did you see that one play? It was a run play. He completely whiffed on uh it might have been Brees Hall, who I know is very good, but like still that was that was and rough. then on the touchdown, he completely whiffed on the wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his tackling was bad in the last game. Yeah, I was not expecting that when he came out anyway. But um yeah, he is one seventy five. That's that's like the downside. But yeah, six yeah. one. I mean, I, I would try him at outside. Why not? Um, that's assuming Aaron Robinson is not having a good year. Um at the end of the season, we will be feeling blank about Brian Dable. I guess this is one Hopeful. word. Hopeful. Hopeful. Okay. Hopeful. I I think Giants fans will be more reluctant to completely jump on the Dable mm. train because of the experience with Joe Judge. But I think he will show enough um, growth uh, in the offense, specifically by year's end, to be like, all right. We get we get him a little bit more help on that offensive side of the ball. We may have something. Yeah, yeah. I made a I made a positive tweet about Dable like a month ago, and and people were like, "Isn't that what y'all did with Joe Judge?" I'm like, "Come on, just let me let me be happy about our head coach for once." But I, yeah, I get I what mean, they're like, saying. Like, like, if you can't at least like, yeah, I understand that we've been beaten down like a bloody pulp, and yeah. there's times now where I'm scared to like show any sign of optimism because. <laughs> Uh, because you get destroyed by the fan base. They're like, oh, there's Chris again being, you know, but like at the end of the day, like, what are you going to just sit through life just being like overly pessimistic about everything and thinking nothing's ever going to get better? Like, no, give these guys a chance, see what they could do. Yeah, that's that's my goal is to be more optimistic with this team. I'm going to try this time around because it was hard in last regime. I'm not going to lie. Um, all right, who could be in? Oh, who could be in their last season with the Giants that not many people are talking about? Ooh, um, I thought that was a good one, so I'm glad yeah, you uh, glad I got it. Ooh, I want to give you a good answer. So let me let me scan through the roster off the top of my head. Matter of fact, I have the roster right here. So let me. <laughs> Let me go. Let me go through all of it. It's so a, a surprise. Like Daniel Jones wouldn't be a surprise. Barkley nah. wouldn't be a surprise. No. Nope. Dalday wouldn't be a surprise. Nope. Um, Shepard, no. Shepard wouldn't be a surprise. How about um, Leonard Williams? Like, what's his contract situation? That was the first name that popped in my head actually when you said it because yeah. they save about eighteen million dollars. I think if they cut him next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's like twenty four. Like he he's a big mark against the cat next year. Now. I could certainly see them restructuring Leonard Williams' contract at the end of the year if he plays well, um, and I do think he fits the scheme well. He's a pretty versatile defensive lineman. So by no means do I think he's definitely gone uh, based off that, but if he does stay with the Giants, I think they'll extend him and kind of redistribute that money. But he is at least a candidate. Um, I'll even throw a Dory Jackson's name in the hat at yeah. least as a candidate. But the thing I'll say about Jackson, he was like the only player – that the Giants backloaded. So to me, that kind of signified that Shane pointed him out and he was like, this is a guy that's probably going to be back with the team next year. Cause he, he actually backloaded his salary before the year started. And he said he didn't want to do that. And that was the first player that he, he, he did it with. So that kind of hinted towards me, like, and again, you can't predict injuries and play throughout the year, but I think he's probably going to be a part of the 2023 roster, especially with how thin we are at the cornerback spot. So yeah, I'll go with Leonard Williams. I, I, if I had to pick one guy, in terms of like an impact player, like I'm not going to give you Cam Brown. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'll I'll go with him. I'll go with Leonard Williams. Yeah, the thing about because I was thinking about it, like it's the Leonard Williams thing's interesting because I wonder. Obviously, he's with the Jets, got drafted by the Jets. He's always been around this area. 
I wonder how much he cares about winning because this guy, I don't think has ever been a part of a winning team, right? Like he got drafted by the jets, maybe wow. in 2016 or the if jets you've good year. In New York the whole career. And you've been drafted after our last yeah. Super Bowl for the most part, you have not been part of it. Cause team. I was, I was thinking the jets had a good year in 2015, right? That was the Ryan Fitzpatrick Ryan year, Fitzpatrick, but yeah. he was a rookie in 2016. I don't think he's been on a winning team yet. So maybe Leonard Williams says F this, Send me to Tampa. Send me to give me a shot to win the Rams. Like you know what I mean. Like I, I maybe, but maybe he loves the area. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I think he's the not obvious answer. But um, yeah, looking at the list, I think this is probably the guy. Adoree Jackson, if he plays like majority of the games, like twelve plus games, and plays well, I have no problem bringing him back next year. I, I don't see why not. I think he will be. Um, yeah. I still think we're going to have to draft a cornerback next year for sure. Mm -hmm. We're sign one. We might sign one because we're going to have some money. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think he'll be back at least for one more year. Yeah. Um, I may have asked you this, but cause actually, no, I asked your ceiling and your floor prediction, but I think the giants over under for wins is six and or is seven, but I had it at six and a half. So giants over under six and a half wins this year. It actually opened at seven and a half in Vegas and, and then it dipped to seven. Um, and that whenever I see something like that, Mike, because obviously my initial reaction when I saw that line was like, that's way too high. Cause like the giants have only won, I think six is their high since our last playoff season. Um, and then yeah. you figure all the turnover, like why do they have us that high? That's the first thing that you ask. Cause you Vegas is smarter than we are. They set the lines. They're supposed to be well-informed. And the only thing I could come up with is they that one they're definitely taking our, our schedule highly into consideration because we, we play a soft schedule, um, and two, they have faith in Brian Dable. And, and the other thing I'll say is they seem to have faith in Daniel Jones. Like he's mm. he's third, um, in Vegas in terms of co uh, comeback player of the year. Really? What he's coming back from, I don't that, know. I was gonna say, what the hell is he coming yeah. back from? <laughs> I guess because of the injury. Um, yeah, I, but I don't, I don't know, but he's, he's like third in terms of like the third most favorite player, which I would say Barkley should be the, the guy from yeah, the Giants yeah. if there was going to be one, but they hmm. seem to be higher on the Giants than the general public. Um, I have them at seven. So, and maybe I'm too optimistic, but like, I like, like, listen, if I was being ultra safe, I'd say six, um, yeah, yeah. but I got him at seven. I, I, cause Mike, I look at it like. I think we're going to start two and two. Call me crazy if you're listening. I think the Bears game, we should absolutely win. I could obviously clearly see us losing the Carolina game, but I look at the Cowboys, I look at Tennessee, and I look at the Carolina game. I think we're going to find a way to win one of them. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think Dallas is, like, that good this year. They're better than us. But, like, with, with, with the injury to Tyron Smith and all, like, would I be shocked if we upset either the Titans or Cowboys? And No. So I could see us winning one out of our first three and then beating the Bears. So I look at it like I, I think it's reasonable to think we could get out to a two and two start. Will we? I don't know because we're the Giants. <laughs> but and then after that, I think obviously we're going to lose to the Green Bay. We're going to lose to the Ravens. But then we have that four game window where I don't think it's crazy to think we could win three. I'm not yeah. going to say we're going to win four, but we could win three. I mean, you're talking about Seattle. You're talking about Houston, arguably the two worst teams in football. And then you and then you're talking about Detroit, who's some people seem to be higher on than others, but but they're at least a winnable game. Yeah. And then um, uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So I think to think we can win three of those. So that's yeah. five wins there in your, in your first 10 games, if they are able to do that. And then there's some divisional games. Maybe you split with Washington. That's six. Maybe you find a way to split with either the Eagles or Eagles or Cowboys. That's seven. So 
that's where I got us. I got us at seven. Mm-hmm. No, it's not impossible. I mean, when I made the schedule reaction video when it came out, like I think this is like the most favorable schedule the Giants could have had. Like, new, which is new... unfortunate, really, Mike. Because this is not the right year to have the favorable. Oh schedule. yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather us be like two more years in the future and then have this schedule? Yes, I would. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, just like looking at it. Because they are away, obviously, week one. They don't have a legitimate road game until week seven at Jacksonville. That's the other thing. Like, it's crazy. We play three straight home games early on, which mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time the Giants had that, which is – that's big. Like, to have three straight home games, that's big. I mean, technically five, but one of them is London, right? So it doesn't count, but – Right, because then we come home – yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, are, they are listed as the home team in five straight games. So no, no, from... London were the road team. Are we? Yeah, which actually know. worked out in our favor because we didn't waste a home game. I don't know. So ESPN might be wrong. Technically, we only play – we play nine home games this year. We play one neutral field game and seven road games. Oh, look at that. Even yeah. better. Yeah. But, yeah, from September 11th up until October 23rd, they don't have a legitimate road game. Like It's just – it yeah. breaks perfectly. So – and then, like, your harder games are in the second half of the year, but by that point, they should be more acclimated to the, the coaching staff and the scheme, and that's when you hopefully need, you they – both an upset home against the Colts. Yeah, they can you get, know, like, a Colts or Vikings win. I don't know about the Vikings, but, yeah, maybe a Colts game or something like that. I don't know. So, um, But schedule-wise, things kind of broke perfectly this year. All right, so I'm going to end you with this one. I know it's not the best question, but the Giants' starting quarterback in 2023 is <laughs> – I'm gonna give you all right. I'm gonna give you the three options that they have, and then I'll give you my answer. Right. One is clearly Daniel Jones. Two is a free agent quarterback. Um, and I'm not looking at the free agent, but the first thing that pops in my head is Garoppolo. Don't Tyrod? Maybe. Uh, yeah. I I could see them trying to upgrade a bit and get a get a guy like Garoppolo on a stopgap for a couple of years, similar like what Carolina did with with Bridgewater, and obviously that didn't work out, but. <laughs> I think that's your other option is like a stopgap free agent if you're not in a spot to draft a quarterback that you like and you realize Jones is not going to be your guy. And then the other option is obviously the draft. Um, in the end, if I got us at seven wins and I said that I think they got to win nine for Jones to keep his job, I think we'll be drafting a quarterback. I, I think we'll be in like that between 10 and 13, 14 area. Maybe you got to trade up to get them. Um, and if you're asking me to pick out which quarterback, which is – impossible to do right yeah. now because I don't know how these guys are going to perform. I think Stroud goes too early. I, I don't think we're going to be picking early enough. I'm just going to go based off how they're projected now because Stroud's like the consensus number one pick. So I think he's too early. Um, the guy that everybody's high on and a guy that I'm excited about the this Florida year. Florida guy? Yep. Yeah. The guy, a guy that I'm excited about this year in, in college football, and he's complete boomer bust. And my opinion on him might be completely different in a month. Like, I might watch four Florida games and be like, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but he could also be so good that he goes number one. So that's why, like, this is so hard to predict. But I look at how the Buffalo Bills evaluated their quarterback in the past. Not that I'm comparing him to Josh Allen, because that's like, I mean, come on. Like, he's like, you don't see Josh Allen. He's like once out of every 20-year type quarterback in terms yeah. of raw physical talent. But I look at Anthony Richardson, I see 6'4", I see 240, I see big arm, I see mobility, and I see upside. And I see the New York Giants coaching staff saying to themselves, if he performs this year in Florida, saying we trust our coaching, we trust our scheme, we think if we could bring a player like that in with his potential, then in a year or two, he could become 
not Josh Allen, but something similar to that. So he, I'll go him. If I had to pick a quarterback right now, Mike, I'll go with Anthony Richardson. Okay. Yeah, I've never watched this guy play, but those measurables definitely sounded interesting, and that's definitely the type of build Josh Allen was. So we've seen that regime do it once before um, in Buffalo. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all we got. Anything we missed that's, like, glaring, I think we got pretty much everything taken care of here, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I want to ask you, Donovan Mitchell went to yeah. the Cavs, right? Yeah, yeah, You're happy about that, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to say I'm happy about it because I wanted Donovan Mitchell because I would have been – I'm super excited if we got Donovan Mitchell, but I never wanted to trade R.J. Barrett. And, right. um, and I understand, obviously, Donovan Mitchell is at this point is a better player than R.J. Barrett. And he will probably end up being a better player than R.J. Barrett. Like, I think R.J. Barrett could be at least a fringe all-star. And maybe he could be better than that. Maybe he could become Jimmy Butler. I'm not going to rule it out. Um, but the way I look at the Knicks situation, Mike, right now is, what does that get us? If we trade R.J. Barrett, three unprotected first-round picks, Emmanuel quickly, and another young player, which was the reported deal that came out from sham after the fact yeah we're a better team but we're still like sixth or seventh in the east yeah we probably are still not a second round playoff team and you just gave away our best young player who is at least going to be a i would think at least a top 30 or 40 player in the nba when he hits his peak at least like that's at worst and you gave away three unprotected first round picks with another good young player quickly and some other young player that they didn't mention so like I look at that deal, Mike, I'm like, it makes us a little bit better. But at the same time, like, what does it really accomplish? Like, if 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 it didn't involve Barrett, I would have said, okay, I could see this. Because now you have Mitchell, you still have Barrett, you've got Brunson, who's a good point guard, and you're a piece away from actually being a team that could really compete from within the East. Not this year, you're probably not going to get it. Maybe you get it the following year. But with Barrett off the team and losing three unprotected first-round picks – because, Mike, in the East, the East is a beast, man. Like, if we got Donovan Mitchell and lost R.J. Barrett, there's no guarantee we are not we, – we could get the 11th seed if we have a few injuries. There's no guarantees. Yeah. Like, what if Randall really struggles and you, you don't know? So that pick might end up being a top 10 pick or something. <laughs> it's a, it's like it, – it, it, and the other thing, Mike, is I look at – like, for everybody complaining and going crazy about this trade, this trade to me is at least equivalent – maybe even more so than what we gave up to get Carmelo Anthony. And when we got Carmelo Anthony, he was a top five, six player in the league. He was an MVP candidate. We gave up like four or five first-round picks, whatever it was. Timothy Mozgov, who was a whatever at the time. Wilson Chandler, who was a nice little role player. He was kind of like quickly. Danilo Gallinari, who was a little bit better than that, but nowhere near R.J. Barrett. This situation, you're giving up at least as much as that. Was Raymond Felton there too or no? Yeah, Felton was in the trade. But, like, let's say the trades were even. Let's just say they were even. You're giving up the same to get Donovan Mitchell as you gave up to get Carmelo Anthony, who at yeah. the time was a top five, six player in the league, and that trade was a horrible trade. So it doesn't make sense to me. I was glad the Knicks didn't do it. I still have nightmares about that uh, Carmelo thing because the Nets, who I'm a fan of, they had a deal done for Carmelo, but Carmelo did not want to play for the Nets, which right, I don't blame right, right. but it is like and that, whatever. And that's what forced the Knicks' hand because they were – they were worried the Nets were going to get him. So you guys kind of screwed us anyway. That's true. Good for us. Yeah. Then we got Darren Williams. That worked out very well. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully uh, basketball is fun for us this year. I mean, at least my team's back together for uh, at least for now. We'll see what those have 
awful offseason for the Nets drama wise, but we'll see. What do you think about the uh, the Barrett thing, the uh, the uh, Mitchell thing? Uh, uh, it took me an hour to realize he got traded. Like I thought, I just thought Sexton got traded to the uh to the Jazz, and I thought Mitchell was still there. I didn't know it was for Mitchell. I found out like an mm-hmm. hour later. Um, yeah, I was a bit surprised it was Cleveland because if like if it's the Cavs, like they have a pretty nice young team for the most part, but. I don't know if it's enough to compete with Boston, Milwaukee, healthy Brooklyn team, even Miami Sixers. Like, I don't know if they're in that category yet. I mean, they're getting there. I guess I'll give them some credit for that. But um, I will say I like what Danny Ainge is doing with all the draft picks over there with the Jazz right now. It's it's insane. They're going to be a great team in five, ten years, whenever well, that's the other thing is, is if you're, you know, if all the Knicks fans are going crazy about this, the last GM that you want to give away all your assets to is him because he charged he charged 130% more than the average GM oh, right? yeah. with some of the trades he's done. So I know it hurts right now if you're a Knicks fan watching like that we didn't get Mitchell, but for what we had to give up, I think we made the right decision. Like there'll be another, there'll be another opportunity. I, I think not necessarily this year, but keep the draft assets, make a move where you could keep RJ Barrett on your team. I think that's gotta be the mission. Yeah. Somebody always comes up. There's always going to be a superstar that's disgruntled and, it might be someone better than Mitchell. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. And the other thing, Mike, is and I think we need to trade Randall. I said this today on Twitter because you need the younger players to develop. You need Obi Toppin to get minutes. Like, Obi Toppin sitting on the bench, and I don't even know if Obi Toppin is going to be a part of the future of this team, but you don't want to hurt his trade value. If he starts to get minutes, suddenly Obi Toppin might be a really valuable piece in a trade. Yeah. So, like, they need to develop their younger players, Grimes, Toppin, quickly those guys need to get developed more get more minutes and i know that's not thibodeau's mo they got to do that this year especially now that they didn't get mitchell they got to realize they're not competing for a championship they got to develop these younger players yeah as you said like if it was a reasonable asking price for mitchell i would say go for it but it's just that that's not it way too much so i i agree with what the knicks did i mean you you sit tight you hopefully are building a good future over there and you know maybe a better star comes up in the future so I wish you guys the best. <laughs> we gotta get. I think SGA is the guy they're talking about now that is going to be the next. Oh really? Might, might be available. Like not, not. I think next year is the next guy they think could be available. My brother is obsessed with him. He always latches on to the random players. Like he's obsessed with him. So that'd be funny. But um. Anyway, all right. So that's gonna close it out here. Had a good time with you, Chris. It's been a while once again, and hopefully you guys enjoyed. I think this is a longer video. This is in two separate parts. I'm not sure how long this is. It might be like an hour plus. But yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this giant season preview. As me and Chris said, we're going to try and do our weekly shows and react to the games. I don't know. It might be a Tuesday, a Wednesday, whenever the hell it is. Yeah, we'll figure it out, man. Um, Maybe we'll do the same thing we did last year. We'll go live. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. You want to do a pre-record, we'll do a pre-record, whatever you're more comfortable. We'll Um, let the people decide on that one. Yeah, yeah. put it in the comments (laughs) below. There you go. If you listen this long. Because if you listen this long, that means you are a diehard Mike Tunai subscriber. Put it in the comments below. Let us know what you want. Do you want it to be a live show or do you prefer the pre-recorded uh, rendition? But Mike, man, thank you so much for having me on. I uh, had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, man, I, I hope we're both wrong. The Giants go 17-0 and and Daniel Jones is the next, uh, you know, uh, you know, Dan Marino. We'll see. Dan Marino, Peyton Manning. You got you got some Peyton Manning comparisons, right, I think? From, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Maybe from yeah. one person. Ever. One person, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of those older NFL uh, analysts. But anyway, all right. So thank you guys for joining and I'll talk to you guys next time.